0: Hey, folks, a very quick podcast from Mac Ernie and Jen Gerson today for the line for the very simple reason that I am leaving town for the final hockey tournament of the year. We talk media. We talk politics. We talk why people get weird when they're losing all that and more on the latest episode of the lines experimental podcast. Well, that is a lovely bow in Jen Gerson's hair.
1: Thank you. You got me as I was cleaning the kitchen. So, of course, my looks were paramount.
0: I am um, heading out in moments. So this is going to be a nice, tight, terse podcast. Uh, I'm heading out in moments to uh, the final hockey tournament of the year, which means um, I always tell myself I only need one hour to get all the packing and logistics done. I'm on hour three, and I'm not mm-hmm. done yet. So, you know, it's an interesting week. I don't know if there's any huge news story this week that in isolation i would want to say a lot about but there are a couple of big news stories that i think together are forming a pattern can Mm -hmm. i tell you something i noticed this week hit me so roxham road uh the uh controversial border uh irregular border crossing in quebec where Francois Legault, having secured re-election comfortably, is now totally comfortable being the happy Canadian federalist again. So he's playing ball with everybody. He's uh, being very polite, very productive, working with Ontario, working with the feds. Uh, Pierre Polyev jumping on that bandwagon to go after the liberals, and the liberals, prime minister included, is like, what, are you going to build a wall? Meanwhile, Chinese election interference allegations in the committee's the liberal, I forget her name, Jennifer Connell O'Connell, I think the MP from Ontario is mm-hmm. like, This is Trumpian. You're questioning the integrity of our elections here. This is a new liberal messaging strategy. They are going to like to see all these Trump references and a tonal shift in a matter of a week. You and I have been talking for months. The liberals are in deep shit. I think this week we're seeing what they're going to try and do to turn this around. And the funny thing is, too, on Roxham Road. I think the prime minister is accurate in his criticisms of of Polyev. I think it's bang on accurate to go, you can't build a wall. All we're gonna do is displace that problem. I think on Chinese election interference, saying any questions are Trumpian is a gigantic fuck you to the Canadian people. And I don't think that's gonna work.
1: Well, it might work. That's the thing, right? Like if they if if they go, if they triple down on this sort of um everybody who is uh, uh, undermining our election win is engaged in some kind of misinformation or disinformation campaign, including the Globe and Mail, uh, that actually strategy might be effective for them.
0: It'll win over the shamrockers.
1: I suppose, but... I don't know, like. I think that the Chinese election interference stuff is clearly hurting them more than they expected it to. Well, and here you have Trudeau's actually gone after CSIS. Yeah. Which of course is only gonna gonna inspire more leaks because there's gonna be people within CSIS being like, well, we'll fuck you. Yeah. You know, and so like to me, this has just, just got the SNC level and scandal written all over it. It's a it's a slow yeah. boil kind of um scandal that initially the government's gonna try and 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 you know, the, the globe allegations are false kind of thing, until eventually enough people come forward and start leaking on the story that it just becomes undeniable and then they're gonna have to ride out the wave of it.
0: You know what the best part of it is, actually? First of all, I I agree entirely with that assessment. It's actually even worse for them, though, in one way. Global News and The Globe have both been getting scoops on this. The Prime Minister this week has basically come out against the whistleblowers he wants ceases to find out who's leaking. I have no reason to believe that The Globe or Global News has reported out the maximum of what they already have. No, no, right. Ahead. So even if the even if the PM puts the fear of God into ceases, right, and scares the hell out of them and the leaks stop, we could still have another half dozen global news or Globe and Mail scoops coming out. And also, I lo- I, I just love watching journalism at work. And I know this is very inside baseball, but Stephanie Levitz in the Toronto Star this week didn't match the scoop on the elections interference front, but she got a great story talking to what conservatives uh, were thinking, doing during the 2021 election. There's going to be more of this.
1: Well, and we we noted this in our last dispatch, so Walid Solomon basically went to site, which was the... Um... Yeah. A foreign Interference uh, Committee that was effectively set up to try and stop the Russians from helping the Conservatives. Well, Lead Solomon, who is uh, I think the uh, one of the campaign chairs of the the Conservative Party, it's not sort the of campaign chair getting his title wrong, but you know what I'm saying. He was up there. He was on this committee and was pointing out all the stuff that was going on, you know, publicly and semi hidden um, with Chinese interference. Reported it through the correct channels and basically went on Twitter saying, "You did nothing. You didn't care. They didn't give a shit."
0: I mean, in true Canadian fashion, they noted it.
1: They noted it. And, and it they looked, promised to set up a task force in the future.
0: It looks like what the Globe uh got last week, a week ago today. Um, this we're recording this early on Friday before I got to metamorphosized back into a into a tournament bunny. Um we had a week ago the Globe and Mail with that big A1 story where that where they broke the news. And what just jumps out at me is that it looks like the Globe. My my this is my inference. The documents the Globe seems to have seen seems to have been the belated CSIS report on exactly what Solomon and other conservatives were saying contemporaneously. Yeah. So they were going, This is happening right now. And CSIS is like, Well, yeah, you know, we'll check it out. And then sometime later, because I don't know when these globe documents were from, CSIS comes up with a report that essentially bears out what the conservatives were saying at the time. And you and I should mention, we're not going to blow any sources here. Let's just say this very mildly. In 2021, the fact that the Chinese were interfering in the election was known. This is not oh, something oh, we, you and we I wrote about
1: it. Even we wrote about it. Yeah, right after the election, because was this happening. was not this was not um, subtle. Yeah. There was stuff that like was making the rounds on on Weibo and sorts of sort of Chinese language chats. I mean, we even had Karen lal who who's a great data nerd he he broke down exactly which writings <laughs> was yeah. mo- most swayed by the Chinese disinformation campaigns and actually found a really fascinating tidbit. And that was, I believe it was Cantonese speaking writings that seemed to have been most swayed um, and Mandarin writings were less swayed. And his conclusion from that was that the disinformation cl- ca- um, campaigns were largely ineffective. I think you could come out with a different conclusion based on that analysis. But you know, this was not this was not real subtle stuff this is this has been publicly you know known about since 2021
0: yeah even even at the time like during the, the election people were whispering some weird shits happening in some heavily Chinese and language.
1: Right after language. the election, MP Chu, I believe, came out and said a Chinese disinformation campaign cost me my seat. Now, I don't necessarily think that the the disinformation campaign was effective enough to sway the overall outcome of the election.
0: I don't think it was. I think the evidence is that it wasn't.
1: No, the Fine. evidence is that it it wasn't. But it certainly probably did cost a couple of seats for the conservatives.
0: Well, I was tweeting the other day where like a, a little story I like to tell made up, but it's it's kind of my way of summarizing Canadian complacency, which is like, imagine you've retired to the country and you've got this beautiful house with a big wraparound deck and you're out there and you're drinking your morning coffee and you're like, my God, life is good. I'm loving being retirement retired. You're in your robe, you're in your fuzzy slippers. And then you notice a couple hundred meters away that your neighbor is aiming a gun at your house and he's shooting and all these bullets are whizzing by. And you're thinking, well, that's unusual activity in a neighbor. And you call the cops and the cops come and they go, yeah, well, he missed, right? Yeah. You're like, well, yeah, he he, he missed. He's a terrible shot. And they're like, well, yeah, you know, call us if he hits something. And then you talk <laughs> to your other neighbors and you're like, hey, like, did, did my neighbor, like the, the guy in the, in the red house over there, he was shooting at me. Uh, oh, yeah, that's his gym. He does that. <laughs> don't, don't worry, though. He's got terrible aim. He never hits anything. Every couple of weeks, he just likes to shoot at the neighbor's. Canadian, like someone tried to do a bad thing to us, but they maybe weren't that successful. And the response of our federal government is, ah!
1: well, I mean, I think this is also the parallels app here because, it you know, remember when everybody was freaking out about um, Russian disinformation and interference in the American election and that being an, uh, a factor in electing Trump. I think the overwhelming sense is, yes, of course, Russia tried to interfere. Whether or not they interfered effectively enough to sway the overall outcome of the elections, that's a pretty suspect position. Um, You know, they probably didn't. You know, Trump probably would have been elected even if there had been no interference. But that didn't stop everybody from losing their goddamn minds. And in fact, even the liberals set up their own, you know, an equivalent uh, committee. You know, the, the big tech, uh, Google and, and Facebook all clamped down on, on um, incidents of uh, foreign interference. They started clamping down on election stuff. And speaking of big tech, because I mean, I think that's the other interesting um, and tangentially related topic to come out today. Of course, it sounds like um, in response to Bill C-18, which, of course, we've written about and I've testified for, testified against in committee in the House of Commons, you uh, In case people are not aware of this, essentially, this is a a legislation that is loosely based on the um, Australian um, model that tries to force companies like Google and Facebook and potentially even Twitter to compensate legacy media um, uh, employees for using their links. There's a whole bunch of philosophical problems with this and practical problems with this, but the most obvious one, and the one I testified to, and everybody was warning the government was going to happen for the last several months, was if you use legislative power to force an artificial value onto these links, these companies are going to respond in the totally rational way. And that is, they're just going to stop send, spreading these links. They're going to stop using the thing that you've attached this artificial value to. And Facebook has more, more or less come right out and said this and said, you know, um, you know, initially there was some deals struck up in the Australian market, but since then Facebook has basically said, you know, we can't replicate this in every mid-tier media market. You know, news links simply do not make up enough of our overall overall content churn to justify spending hundreds of millions of dollars per country compensating legacy media outlets. Also, the news, um, as I said, the news links aren't actually what provide the value. What, what Facebook has done is they, they've eaten our classified ads. Mm-hmm. That's what's eaten the value. It's not the actual news content. They've, they've eaten the stuff that has subsidized that news content, which is advertising so this is this is this is it apportions value in really really weird ways and it disincentivizes these major big tech companies from giving us the free distribution to our content which is why people like me have been like yeah if you pass this facebook and google and all these companies are not going to pay all of these um media companies around the world canada australia england all these hundreds of millions of dollars to distribute content that has no value to them that makes no sense so they're just going to start cutting people off which apparently is what google is is now signaling that it's going to do it's going to effectively start throttling content so now of course everybody's switching from google is evil because they're they're using our links um, and abu- using our links for their own their own value it's so now all of a sudden when google stops using those links so that it doesn't have to pay the value they're like google is throttling <laughs> access to our content and like it's really funny, but like the actual problem here for people like you and I is that you and I don't want C eighteen. We don't want to force big use use regulatory capture to force big tech to subsidize us. We think that the only value, viable model economic model for us is subscriber um, uh, supported content.
0: Subscribe today, folks. <clears throat>
1: Subscribe today, please pay for the line. But the problem is that now, if all of these big tech companies are going to start throttling links, they're not going to pick and choose you know you know we'll throttle the toronto stars links but not the lines like like they're just gonna throttle everybody including including small media startups who are hugely dependent on social media for distribution because they don't have necessarily the legacy footprint that a lot of these older, older media organizations have so essentially if you continue with c18 we all get fucked and then what is essentially going to happen is is honestly what I think will happen next is the, the government is going to respond to the throttling by saying evil big tech is throttling <laughs> is throttling media content as a result of our ham-handed legislation. So therefore they're just going to start writing checks. They're going to start writing big checks to Post Media and, and Toronto Star. And you and I have speculated in the recent past about the, um, the layoffs that are now expected at Postmedia and just why those are not going well. And we use some words that we don't want to repeat in the podcast for fear of uh, libel actions being taken against us. But if you wanted to ask me why I think there's a bit of a holdup here, I think it might be because some of these companies are just expecting the unqualified checks to be dropped in the mail. And then the throttling that's happening with big tech, becomes the political pretext for doing it.
0: Uh, two two points I'm going to make in return here. First of all, I posed a, a thought experiment on Twitter last night uh, for Minister Rodriguez, Pablo Rodriguez, the Heritage Minister who's overseeing this. What I'm wondering about is in 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 the worldview of the of Rodriguez and and the Rodriguezes. What should big tech do to not owe legacy media money? Like, okay, like I'm, I'm just trying to wonder here. What is the thing that they can do? That leaves them not owing PostMedia, um, Globe Mail, any bucks. Because it just seems to me that basically the government's position is the links on your websites to traditional news, you owe them money for posting those links. This is completely ass-backwards. This is the exact opposite of how things actually make sense in the real world. But even within the logic of the liberal position here, which is, again, totally backwards, the, the big tech companies go, all right, well, if you say that there is value to the links, we shall simply no longer post them. And then we won't owe them any money and the government's outraged.
1: So, again, so the media e- companies.
0: Yeah, Would thought experiment. What is the position big tech can take that leaves them owing zero to the legacy media? And the answer, of course, is that there is no such position. The liberals did this whole thing backwards. The desired outcome was big tech subsidizes failing legacy media. Everything else that they've done since then is trying to find a semi-plausible rationale for exactly that. But let's also, the second point I would make is let's just review how that's going. There are three problems here. First of all, it's a bad idea in practice. Second of all, even though it's a bad idea in practice, it's not working. Third, even if it worked, it would just create a new set of equally fatal problems. Like There is no
1: winning scenario for this plan. Well, Um, I I don't know if you're giving them too much credit or too little, but I know that the government knows or had been warned that this was going to fail along very predictable lines. And I know that because I testified at this committee where I was like, If you put this in place, they're just going to shut the link sharing down because, like, there's no value add here for them. And what that would intend to do, inadvertently do, not only to the legacy companies, but to the startup companies like mine, like the line, is it screws us all over. Because now we've lost hugely valuable distribution networks because fundamentally you've misallocated where the value lies in these services yeah so, like me and smart people have been screaming this from the rooftops at parliamentary committees for a long time that this was going to happen. And, like, Facebook bluntly has not been terribly subtle. like they've they've stated stated this both how she says what can I say through public channels and through backroom channels that I'm aware of, they have stated this none too subtly., yeah. and that is, you know, we're losing money. We're laying off our own workforces, and we think that the future's in the metaverse the future is not in sharing COVID news links. Yeah. So like, like if you, if you put us in a situation where you're going to ask us to hand over a hundred million dollars every year to, to every mid tier media market, the answer is going to be bye-bye news links because there's no value there for them.
0: Nobody puts so, the baby in a corner and,
1: and everybody and everybody has been warning this. Everybody has been saying like, 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 this is what they're going to do. Why would they bluff? And the answer has been like, well, they bluffed in Australia. And like, okay, they kind of did, they kind of didn't. But the problem here is now you're asking them to replicate the Australian model in every other country, exponentially growing their liability assets. There's a certain point where Facebook's just going to be like handing over... like basically giving giving all these media companies a black blank check in every country in which we operate is not a sustainable business model for us and they're just going to risk the bad pr and walk away because it's the only rational business thing decision to make
0: the pr would blow over in a week
1: the pr would blow over in a week because like bluntly media companies aren't that popular or less popular than facebook (laughs) you know what i mean like it's like you you have a bunch of big dicks in the room who are who, who aren't accustomed to the idea that they're no longer the big dicks in the room and and this is this is what's going to happen. So like, I can't believe the government didn't know that this was inevitably going to happen. So either they're really really dumb, and all the media executives who are pushing for eighteen c eighteen are really dafter than I gave them credit for, or they knew exactly that this was going to happen their response is basically pre-written. They'll be like, well, goddamn those evil big tech media companies. We can't have them throttling access to our media in order to in order to save democracy. And they're just going to use this as a political pretext to write a giant fucking check.
0: The fun part is even if they write the giant fucking check, it's too late. I think some of these media companies are past the effective point of no return.
1: It's too late to save the media companies as viable media companies. But it's not too late for the liberal government to avoid the bad publicity that of would involve on them dying on their watch. Yep. And it certainly isn't too late to buy a little bit of goodwill from the media companies that re- that remain ahead of the next election.
0: I, I mean, my gut feeling um, is that what we're in here is that they have uh, concluded um, that the, the liberals, I should say, that it does not suit their political interests for the media to be thriving, but it also does not suit their political interests for the media to be dead. So a half-dead zombie media on life support preserved just before the moment natural death would occur is the best.
1: That's, That's their best outcome. And they're going to cut exactly a large enough check to keep some of these major media organizations just thriving enough to squelch any kind of media competition from startups that would be uncontrollable and predictable and probably meaner to them. Yeah. Like I I, 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 either this is really, really dumb, or it's really, really smart, depending on how much credit you want to give the government. Yeah. But the fact that the media executives are literally too dumb to realize that they're being played here is like, that 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 I would believe. Anyway. Yeah. Happy thoughts.
0: Happy. No, I mean, look, you're bang on. Um. All of this fits the pattern that you and I have been talking about a lot in recent weeks, which is that there's a real whiff of death attached to the Liberals right now. The only thing that's going to save the Liberals is going to be the Conservatives fucking it up. And I don't rule that out because I think there's always a really good chance the Conservatives find a way to fuck things up. But if the Liberals were left to their own devices, they're on the they're on the glide path right into the side of a mountain. One of the other interesting stories, I always mention this briefly, is that... Um, Three conservative MPs. The only one who I remembered offhand was Leslin Lewis, met with like a far right German. Yeah, I literally leader. was
1: writing that down.
0: And um
1: who's like not a well-known figure to me, but apparently is a big heroic figure among the trucker sort of conservative
0: Yeah. Someone you could Google. Yeah. Like there every once in a while we get surprised when we find out what certain people believe in private. This this ain't that. This is this is pretty much someone with pretty clear far right links. What's interesting, you know, look, I don't think there's anything interesting in the fact that there's crackpots in the conservative caucus, like Film at Eleven, right? There's no news there. Uh, what I do think is interesting is the very muted response from Pierre Polyev, and mm-hmm. I think it's interested for two reasons. First of all, it's very muted. Second of all, there was a response. Hmm. So I think, like you know. Mr. Polyev has uh, obviously a a very – this is my own analysis, but there's very obviously a strategy of I'm not going to fight on my right flank. And Mm. I'm I'm willing to put up with a lot of bullshit uh, on my right flank, and I'm going to count on the fact that most people aren't on Twitter, and I'm going to take the hits. I'm going to ignore the bozo eruptions, and every time I'm saying anything, I'm going to be talking about how bad Justin Trudeau is. And I think that actually could work.
1: Yeah, I think that is – that's a decent strategy. Yeah, I think so. Um just not to say it's a moral strategy. It's oh no, but
0: oh yeah, no. I think like it could be an electorally successful strategy, but there are going to be limits to that. And mm-hmm. I think it's just fascinating to see what I we might be starting to see the uh the, a bit of a sci-fi reference for you here, the outer limits of uh of that strategy. Like when um what is it? uh c c i j a which one C I J A, uh, canadian Israeli really yeah. jewish like i don't remember like it's one of the, the large jewish advocacy groups in canada is calling out the conservatives i was just like oh okay I, I i was just really curious to see how the conservatives would respond to this and what they've responded with is interesting pierre polyev is a statement out where he attacks the uh the, the german uh far right lady and basically says yeah we should we, my mp shouldn't have met with her And then he's like, it would have been better if she was never even in the country because she's a racist. So he's trying, like, I see exactly what he's doing here. Condemn the racism, have a position that you think is defensible, but don't really pick a fight with your own caucus here.
1: Well, the other interesting thing about this is, like, I don't really understand why these MPs made a point of, like, standing in a line with her for a picture. Like, why why do these, like, why do politicians do this?
0: Because they're owning the libs, Jen.
1: I just like what, like, you want to go listen to this far right figure. Okay. Listen to anybody you want, but maybe don't like, eh, like what, why?
0: To own the libs, They know what they're doing. All right. Fair enough. I mean, that's, they know exactly what they're doing. I I don't think we should underestimate how much of the modern conservative movement is basically animated by 19 year old level. Fuck you pranks.
1: No, that's fair. Yeah. I'm
0: like, I'm doing this to make the libs angry
1: and make them look crazy. Yep. I'm going to try and provoke them into madness, which kind of seems to be working, which is a, a theme of the uh, uh, tweet that that you made today, which I think should be the overarching structure of our dispatch this week. Which one? The one where you were just like, okay, the state of play in politics today oh. is that the CPC went nuts. The CPC is winning. This is making the liberals go nuts. And that's going to make the CPC win more win. likely.
0: Yep. no. Yeah. I mean, that it was. Just I think that I, that's
1: that's actually the theme behind all of our little dispatch notes today.
0: Yeah, no, and and that that was just a tweet. I I finished watching Star Trek Picard last night because that's how I party on Thursday, and I had had uh, I don't I don't drink much during the week. Um, you know, I I have maybe one or two drinks a week, and I had uh, a beer last night, which is mm-hmm. nice. I had a beer, and I watched a Star Trek episode, and it was done. And I was thinking of going to bed, but I wasn't tired yet, and I was just kind of ruminating on all the big stories of the week and uh what i just kind of came up with because i still i i confess look i could be wrong all I know trudeau's gonna win a majority in the next election and i'm gonna look like an idiot because i've been saying for eight months now that i think he's in trouble
1: well he but, he is in trouble and he could have the stench of death and they could still win
0: yeah yeah i guess that that's let's let's underline this and snip that for future possible butt covering um i just get the feeling they're losing and uh you know i was thinking I, I went and dug this up i i made a notice now uh jerry butts uh a former top advisor to the prime minister who actually by the way agreed with my twitter assessment and said yes that's basically he he endorses my summary of the current state of canadian politics he had this great tweet years well, you're
1: ago. real you're a real journalist unlike the globe and mail
0: yeah exactly us post media veterans um yeah, exactly the real journalists um He had this tweet years ago that I made a note of and I went and I dug it up and I just thought it was such a profoundly interesting insight, which I think I've told you this before. What uh, Jerry said was simply that people do weird things when they're losing. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about uh, Stephen Harper doing a weird cash giveaway thing with Rob Ford in 2015.
1: Mm -hmm, And
0: mm -hmm. Jerry said they knew they were losing and people do weird things when they're losing. Everything I look at from the liberals over the last few months people do weird things when they're losing Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and they still might eke out a victory because like i said i never underestimate the ability of conservatives to fuck themselves but right now the liberals are not in control of their own fate they might get lucky but i think they know they're not steering the ship and they're at the mercy of events and people do weird things when they're losing
1: um on that note uh I've got two questions to put forward for you, but not when we're actually doing the rec- recording. I actually think we should pin it there. But I think sure. that people do weird things when we're losing is the overall structure of this the, of this particular dispatch. And then we kind of slot all the different little blurbs into that structure. You were <laughs> going to talk about Poet, but you're going to do that in a column when you're finished reading through the whole.
0: Oh, Poet. Call. Honestly, I should have done it this week, except. Um, well,
1: you, we got some great Ukraine stuff. And well, that's it, it. I forgot it, it was just, the anniversary. Yeah. So no, we end up,
0: yeah, so we ended up running some... Which um, is fine, because
1: so we actually gave you an opportunity to properly read it. I've got a thing coming about um what's happening with all of the First Nations stuff, changing the anthem, all that kind of stuff. I don't really want to put that in the dispatch, because we're going to save that for a column. Okay. Um, And then I think we've got a couple things in the bank for next week, then.
0: Oh, we've we, we already got a lot of content at the bank. The news is... It's, the, like We publish one piece a day. Our, our, our idea has always been one interesting, yeah. meaty piece a day. We could be, we could be publishing multiple pieces a day right now. We're turning stuff away that's good because we don't have the time to publish it. Which, which is, is
1: kind of which is kind of funny because like some weeks we get nothing and then we're just like, right. how are we going to get one piece a day out? What are we doing? And then some weeks it's like, oh fuck, we got like twenty pieces.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's very funny. Feast or famine. Uh, Feast or famine. Right.
1: That's that's the game.
0: Well, if you want to talk off the air, let's just wrap this up and then uh, no, I agree. I agree with you. Read the dispatch. That that's where I think it comes together as well. Okay,
1: and then I'll do the uh, I'll do the the media stuff. Great. Maybe yep. I'll do, maybe I'll do the Christine Anderson stuff too.
0: Christine Anderson, what's that?
1: Oh, that's the I think that's her name, the far right.
0: Oh, the German. German yeah. German yeah, okay. lady. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I'll do
1: I'll do because I think that's a relatively short blurb, but uh
0: check out Brian Lilly's Twitter feed. He had okay. I don't know if it was given directly to him or if he tweeted it, but he was the one who had the statement from uh Paul Yev.
1: Okay, and then I'll do a nice meaty thing on the media situation, just basically going, told you so.
0: Yeah, and I'll do the um People are weird when they're losing.
1: People are weird when they're losing, and, and then, then I'll slot um, some
0: stuff into that. Yeah,
1: slot rocks and road and Chinese yeah. allegations stuff in there. Yeah, especially. Uh-huh. Oh, also, you really want to make a note as well as the the CSIS, oh, yeah. the weird comments that uh, Justin Trudeau has made about Cesis as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, which the could not have done more to promote more links. Uh, more. Yeah,
1: links. we really appreciate it. That's great, and also the fact that he's kind of taken on this Trumpian tone here. Uh-huh. I mean, at this point, I'm half expecting Cesis to start leaking to us. They're going to be so pissed.
0: Hey, they know where to find us.
1: They know where to find us.
0: All right. Well, thanks, Jen. I'm off to the rink, but uh, I'll I'll talk with you briefly, and we'll we'll get, it, we'll get everything organized. Okay. All right. Thanks, everybody. As promised, folks, a quick conversation, but we hope you enjoyed it all the same. For Jen Gerson, this is Matt Gurney. You have been listening to The Lines Experimental Podcast.